You're listening to the Hope United podcast, creating an atmosphere of worship, family, and discipleship. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit hopeunited.church. So this is part three in the We Can't Do It Alone series. And today I'm going to speak about hope to the world. We are hope to the world. Recently, I've been feeling that as a Christian and sharing my faith with other people that I have to be so careful about mentioning the name of Jesus or saying that I'm a Christian so as not to offend people. Right. I feel like it wasn't always like that. But in the current climate of the world, I feel like, you know, I have to kind of watch my P's and Q's because I don't know what you might believe. I don't really care. But I feel like I feel like I have to be careful about that. I feel like maybe it's because a lot of people are moving away from Christianity and the God of the Bible. So I had to do some research so as to substantiate substantiate or qualify this statement. So here's what I found. According to a Gallup poll released in 2015, the percentage of Christians in America declined from 80% in 2008 to 75% in 2015, resulting in a steady growth of those who have no religious affiliation or say they believe in a higher power, but not the God of the Bible. The Huffington Post also reported that one, one out of every six Christians that have left their church become a part of this segment. And according to Pew Research, this is the fastest growing religion, having no religious or belief system is the fastest growing segment in the United States. And I wish the statistics that I found were more current, but I couldn't find anything more current than 2015. But I feel like that kind of made sense to me because in my life, I'm encountering the children and this segment is mostly young Americans. So now I'm encountering their little kids who they don't know who's God. They don't know who's Jesus and they don't know what is the Bible because mommy and daddy aren't taking them to church. They're not going to Sunday school and they really think that Christmas is about gifts and an elf on the shelf. They really believe that Easter is about hunting for eggs and candy. That's all that they know. I had a friend that was sharing with me um, about her, her friend's children. And when she started to talk to them about what Christmas was really about, they were like, that's what Christmas is about? Like, no, they really believed that it was about the elf on the shelf. Meanwhile, as we see this increase in people who are kind of stepping away from faith, we also see an increase in tragedies across the United States, but even more startling right here in South Florida. We had the shooting at at Fort Lauderdale International Airport. We had the shootings at... um, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, and we had the collapse of the pedestrian bridge at Florida International University. Now, I'm not making the bold statement as to say that there is a correlation between the two. However, when tragedies like this occur, I always wonder, and I wonder on the whole, if you don't believe in God, when tragedy comes into your life, like, who do you turn to? Like, what 
what is your faith based on? Like we say that on Christ, the solid rock we stand and all other ground is sinking sand. So if you don't have a, a firm foundation, how do you pick yourself up out of the quicksand? We turn to God. Who do they turn to when they kind of don't believe in God? They kind of believe in the universe. Who do they turn to? So the answer that I would like to submit to you this morning is that they turn to us. They turn to their family members who know God. They turn to the coworker that knows God. They turn to the, the fellow student who is a believer. That is who they turn to. Acts 2.17, and I'm just going to stop and say this, that I have a lot of scriptures that I'm going to be quoting this morning, not necessarily reading it word for word. So if you write down the reference, I would encourage you to go back and study it for yourself. I strongly encourage you to go back and study the word for yourself. The Bible says study to show yourself approved. So Acts 2.17 says that in the last days, God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. The faucet through which God pours out his spirit is the body of Christ. God always uses people to pour himself out on the earth. So the faucet throughout, through which God pours out his spirit is the body of Christ. So we have to be light in dark places. We have to be the flavor that is tempering the climate that we live in. We have to be the atmosphere shifter that when we walk into a place that people are supposed to say there's something different that just happened in this room, that peace just walked into this room, that joy just walked into this room. We, sh we shouldn't allow the atmosphere of depression to affect us and then we pick it up. No, we walk into the place and we tell depression that it has to go. We tell darkness that it has to flee, that we have to be the light in dark places. God gave the commandment to Adam in the beginning. He told him to subdue the earth and to bring it under control. And this command remains true. It's still the same that we are to subdue the earth and bring it under the control of the kingdom. Romans 8, 19 says that all creation is anxiously awaiting the manifestation of the sons of God. You and I, as children of God, have something that the world needs. As I said, we have something that the neighbor needs, the family member needs. We have something that they need. We have the living water. We have the bread of life. If we were to see a child that's crying and is hungry, we're not just going to walk by the child and not try to fulfill the need. We're going to try to meet the need. In the same way, we're walking by the world. The Bible says that they are groaning. The earth is groaning. How does the earth groan for the manifestation? The earth groans with all of these things that we see happening. That's like a baby crying. It has a need, and we have to meet that need. So, as Christians, you know, we focus our faith on, well, I focus my faith on, you know, growing closer to God and getting in the word and praying so that I can grow. But our faith is, is so much bigger and broader than that. In Mark 16 and 15, Jesus said, Jesus didn't say to go to church and preach the gospel, although that's where we come to preach the gospel. He said, go out into all the world and preach the gospel. 
you know, compel them to come in. To compel them to come in, we have to go out. So we have to be about the first, our first ministry, which is the Great Commission, to go out and to make disciples. And this is not just the job of the pastor. This is not just the job of the evangelist. This is not just the job of the apostle or any of the other ministers in the fivefold ministry. It's each and every one of our jobs to go out and to make disciples. We cannot allow our vision to become so uh, narrow that we obscure the people around us. You know, the person sitting across from us in the cubicle next to us at work. You know, we can't you know, be so focused on what we're doing that we miss um, the need in their lives. So we need a panoramic view. So even in a crowd, we can discern who needs our touch, which is the of course, the touch of God in a crowd with dozens of people tugging and pushing and pulling on him. You know, Jesus was able to know that somebody had a need, that it wasn't just a regular tug. It wasn't just a regular push. It wasn't just a regular bump that somebody needed something from him. Who is it in the crowd, in the Walmart, on the job, at the family reunion, who's tugging on us and they need God's virtue to flow out of us to, in, to affect change in their lives? God's spirit, the Holy Spirit that we just sung about, not by might, not by power, but your spirit. And we say, spirit, breathe on us. Spirit, breathe for what purpose? We get filled up and do what with it? We have to pour out. We have to pour out. So the Holy Spirit, he's inside of each of us because we asked him to come there. And the Greek word in the New Testament used for power is dunamis, D-U-N-A-M-I-S, dunamis. And we get our English word dynamite from this word. So the Holy Spirit that we ask him to breathe and pour on us, he's, he's explosive. So you have that power sitting on the inside of you. And so we have to release it. It has to get out. The Holy Spirit wants us to pour out on all flesh. Jesus in his ministry here on earth was always demonstrating the power of the Holy Spirit from his first miracle in Cana of Galilee of turning the water into wine to his resurrection to his ascension and everything in between. He always demonstrated the power of the Holy Spirit. John 21, 25 says that if they were to write down all the supernatural, miraculous things that Jesus did, the whole world would not be able to contain all the books. So as Pastor Josh said last week, Jesus was always on the move. Jesus wasn't stagnant. Jesus wasn't waiting for God to show up, you know, so he was going around. He was healing people. He was, he was raising the dead. He was casting out demons. He was always on the move, always on the move. And this is what drew people to Jesus' ministry. We would like to think that, you know, Jesus had this awesome, powerful word and people came to hear the word. I, I think that people came to see the man who raised Lazarus from the dead. When, when the woman at the well encountered Jesus, she went back to her town. What did she say? Come and see a man that I never met, yet he knew everything that there was to see about me. When Jesus cast the legion of demons out of the man, what, he didn't even have to say anything. When he showed up at home in his right mind 
and they're like, what happened to you? He said, well, Jesus set me free. Of course, they're going to come and see that man. When the, when the crowd came back from the multiplication of the fish and the loaves, and they went back to their town, they said, come and see a man who took five loaves and two fish and fed us all. That is the miraculous supernatural events that drew people to Jesus and his ministry. And Jesus did all of these unbelievable things. He opened blind eyes. He opened deaf ears. He healed the lame. He walked on water. He multiplied the food. He was raising people from the dead. But in John 14, 12, he says to his disciples, whoever believes will do greater. And I, like, sometimes I can't wrap my mind around. I was like, hold on, Jesus. You raise people from the dead, like, on the regular. Like, that was, like, every day. Like, get up. Come forth. And I'm going to do greater if we believe. And we have, the whole, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. So we have the power to do greater things. Jesus, God is not a man that he should lie. Anything that's written in the word, it's not just there for us to read in our heads and say, amen. It's for the word to become flesh through us. To demonstrate the power of God, we have to operate in the love of God. To demonstrate the power of God, we have to operate in the love of God. What moved Jesus to action was compassion. Luke 7, 12 through 14 says, a funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man had died, was a widow's only son. And a large crowd from that village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin, touched it. The bearers stopped. The young man, he said, I tell you, get up. So this is, this is Jesus. This is God in the flesh. That he encountered a funeral procession. He encountered a tragedy. This is a widow. So she had lost her husband. And now she'd lost her only son. And the Bible says that his heart overflowed with compassion. That he didn't just say, ma'am, weeping may endure for a night and joy comes in the morning. It's going to be okay in the sweet by and by. No, he said he was so moved with compassion that he was moved to action to do something about it. That when we hear about, oh, so-and-so died or so-and-so is sick, you know, what compassion do we have to move us to action? Yesterday, we had a wonderful women's ministry meeting. For those who weren't there, you missed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But guess what? We're going to meet again in October. So you have an opportunity to come. We have a special guest speaker that won't tell me what they're speaking about. Pastor Clarence. <laughs> However, however, yesterday, Francesca spoke, and she touched on this compassion for just a little bit. And what she shared with us is that Jesus was moved to compassion often was because his heart was pure. That he had a pure heart so compassion could flow out of it. When our hearts are not pure and our hearts become callous, you know, and insensitive to the things that's going on, that can, compassion can't flow out of it because we're not sensitive anymore. So as David said, our prayer should be, create in me a clean, pure heart and renew a right spirit within me so that we can have compassion for the people that, you know, we encounter on our daily lives. 
the passage says that Jesus' heart overflowed with compassion. And so compassion flows out of love. The love of God, as I said, should move us to action. You know, to demonstrate the power of God. It should move us to demonstrate the power of God in some way. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power that we just sung about, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And we know that Paul was wise and he was persuasive, that he went before an emperor to tell him about Jesus. And the and emperor said, um, you almost persuaded me to believe. So that statement tells us right there that wise words and persuasive, persuasive words aren't what draw people to the kingdom and draw people to God. It's like Paul said, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that draws. He also said in 1 Corinthians 4.20, the kingdom of God is not just talk, although we talk a lot about the kingdom, but it's God's power. That is God's power. So the power to change the atmosphere that I talked about earlier, the power to expose darkness and to bring God's marvelous light, the power to love, and yes, the power to heal, deliver, and set people free, that we have that power housed on the inside of us. Jesus said, as he was quoting from the, from the Old Testament, but in Luke four eighteen, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim um, that the captives be released, that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free. Guess what? The Spirit of the Lord is not only upon us to do the same. The Spirit of the Lord is within us to do the same thing. The Spirit of the Lord is on the inside of us, and he wants to work through us. Like the saying goes, that we are indeed the hands and feet of Jesus in the earth. That he left and he said, hey, y'all take over and do greater things. So um, the spirit is within us and also the kingdom is within us. Luke 17, 21 says that God's kingdom is within us. So what's the kingdom? Romans 14, 17 says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So living right by God's standards, not our own having peace that surpasses all understanding and joy unspeakable and full of glory is the kingdom and it's on the inside of us that we're carrying it with us wherever we go. So when we show up, guess who else shows up? God shows up. God shows up when we show up. So that's how we are the light in the dark places. That's how we bring the message of hope because we are hope united. So we should be bringing a message of hope um, to the hopeless, encouragement to those who've lost faith because of constant disappointment. That may be why that some people are turning away because they're const they've been constantly disappointed. That we have to testify to them, and not in a preachy way. You have to be a preacher to share your story and share how God how God intersected in your life. And and like I think Pastor Josh said last week that nobody can argue with you about your testimony, and your testimony is the most powerful thing that you can share with somebody because it's how God changed your life. Last week, Crystal had a testimony, you know, and how I found out about this because she posted it on Facebook. God spoke to her. That wasn't just by happenstance. He spoke to her because it was somebody that needed to read it. It was somebody that needed to hear it so that they could be encouraged to know that if God did it for her, that not that he just that he can do it for me. No, he will do it for me also. 
We have to demonstrate the power of God, encourage each other and people in the world, and testify to the world because they need it. Parkland needed it. Orlando needed it. Hurricane in in North Carolina, South Carolina, they need it. Now, it's easy to get so focused on the routines of life, and I know because I do. It's like Paul says in this area, I am the chiefest of sinners. When you're rushing to get to work on time, it's easy not to realize that, you know, somebody is tugging on you. Somebody is pulling the hem of your garment and need you right in that moment just to stop. And sometimes it's just as simple as saying God loves you. Sometimes it's not a matter of saying I'm going to pray for you, but just stopping in that moment and praying with them. I tell a story all the time. One time I was in the office interviewing somebody and the Holy Spirit was like, pray for him. Holy Spirit, I'm having an interview. I don't really know how we're going to do this. And he's like, pray for him. I'm like, oh, Lord. And so I was like, okay, sir, um, can I pray with you? And I don't know if he was church or unchurched. So he gets up. And I'm thinking he's getting up so that we can hold hands. And so I come around my desk. And then he starts kneeling on the ground. And I'm like, oh, wait, get up. Because if somebody walks in, I don't know that they think it's going to be going on. You're bowing, worshiping me. I don't know. Get up. So sometimes it's not a matter of saying, you know, I'm going to pray for you, but just taking that moment. You just don't know how much it means to people when you stop in the middle of what you're doing and stop in the middle of your day and take the time to invest the Holy Spirit and God in them. It will affect change in our lives. Um, Paul, um, the Bible says, Paul planted the seed, Apollos watered it, and the Holy Spirit brings the harvest. But we have to be planting and we have to be watering for the harvest to come. It's easy not to realize that in the great tapestry of life that we're all connected, that we're all interwoven, that we have to be about kingdom business so that somebody else could be about kingdom business, that I need to do A so that somebody else can do B. I look at the life of Paul. And he had an encounter with God on the road to Damascus. God had a plan and a purpose for his life. And he was off track, so God needed to get him back on track. So he had to knock him off his high horse and get him on track. But Paul, you know, all the things that Paul went through, and I imagine that when he was sitting in in a jail cell or when he was under house arrest, it could have been easy for him to ask the question, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like, all I'm doing is trying to, you know, share the word, and I'm under house arrest. Is this payback for all, you know, the Christians that I killed and put in jail? It it would have been easy for him to lose hope or lose faith. But he, he realized that it was something bigger and greater than him. And so he he took out a pen and he took out a paper or he dictated to Timothy all of these letters that we sit and we read today that the New Testament, the majority of the New Testament, he wrote while he was in prison, while he was shackled, while he lost his freedom, he was able to write and say, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And we read Those words today affect change in our lives and cause us to grow. We're all connected from 2,000 years ago to today. We're all connected. So we have to be about the business of the kingdom. There's a song that says that what the world needs now is love. I'm not going to sing it. I'm not a singer. Yes. (laughs) No. (laughs) However, I feel that it would be more accurate if it said that what the world needs now is the love of God. The compassion of Jesus Christ, the zeal of Paul, and the power 
of the Holy Spirit, that we as children of God are conveyors of the love of God. We're conveyors of the zeal of Paul. We're conveyors of the power of the Holy Spirit. We're conveyors of the compassion of Jesus Christ. That some people just are not going to pick up the Bible. They're just not going to show up at church. They, and some little kids, they have no knowledge of Jesus, of the Bible, of these things. And the only way that they can find out is if we tell them. We are the light that is needed because God never intended us to walk in darkness. The very first thing recorded of God speaking is he said, let there be light. If he wanted the world to be in darkness, he would never said that. So I'm saying the same thing now as we go throughout our day, let there be light. As we show up on our job, let there be light. As we go to the Walmart, let there be light. If we go to the movie theater, let there be light because we showed up. Let us bring it with us. As a body of Christ, we need each other. You know, we can't do it alone. And like the song we used to sing, we haven't sing, sung it in a long time. You know, we need each other to survive. But I think even more so, the world desperately needs us to, su- to survive. You know, and so we need to be about the business of the kingdom and, and demonstrate hope, love, light, and the power of God to be about it. And I know sometimes that it's, it's intimidating. We were talking about this in small group that when God does speak to you in the middle of an interview and it's like, pray for somebody in your life right now, it's, it's difficult. It's hard because you don't know how people are going to react. So we just need the confidence in the Holy Spirit in us and the confidence that we are hearing from God and that he's not going to tell us to do something that he doesn't already know the result of because he knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. So if you feel like you're a little bit intimidated about that, I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes as I just pray over you that the Holy Spirit will give you what you need to be that light, what you need to be that effectual change in people's lives. Father God, we come before you this morning. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for resting and abiding on the inside of us, for giving us, Lord God, the gifts of the Spirit, for giving us the fruit of the Spirit, Lord God. I pray over your people, Lord God, and as we seek your face, Heavenly Father, Lord God, that we exercise your gifts, Heavenly Father, Lord God, that we exercise your fruit, Heavenly Father, Lord God. I stir up the gifts, Lord God, within us, Lord God. I stir up faith on the inside of us in the name of Jesus. I stir up, Lord God, the prophetic word on the inside of us, Lord God. I stir up discernment on the inside of us, Father God. I speak over your people and I speak over this house, Father, that just as the words that you spoke to Joshua, Lord, that we will be bold and courageous, Heavenly Father, Lord God, that we, Lord God, will leave a mark and a footprint in this earth, Lord God, that looks like the footprints of Jesus Christ, Heavenly Father, Lord God. I ask, Lord God, that you just test us, Lord God, and put people in our path 
Lord God, that need, Lord God, something from you, Heavenly Father, Lord God. I stir up the gifts of healing, Lord God, and miracles, Lord God, in your people, Heavenly Father, Lord God. I come against the voice of the enemy, Lord, that would tell them, Lord God, that they can't do that. That's only, only a super Christian can do that. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Your word says that if we believe that we will do greater things, Lord God, and I speak the greater, Lord God, over your people in the name of Jesus, Lord God. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, Lord God, for the harvest, Lord God, that you're bringing, Lord God, to us and to this house, Lord God, to shepherd, Lord God, and to to disciple in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Hope United podcast. Be sure to visit hopeunited.church for more exciting content.